earth price. The heaven on earth price. And I would like for us to look back. We're going through the book of Philippians. And I would like for us to look back at, at verse 9 and 10. And we made a listing over there of five points that we have already gone through. But I would like for us to review quickly, focusing on the third one, because that is what Paul does in the subsequent verses. And um, so, so to, to focus on that makes sense as Paul is uh, uh, explaining to us some of the things as to where he is, some of the things as to where he wants to go, and uh, encouraging to us in many ways. And then he speaks about one thing, the price. And I just made it the heaven on earth price. So, let us look at verse 9, and I gave you five points there out of verse 9 and 10, that we might be found in him, or that's Paul's desire for himself and also for us, that I may know him, that I may know the power of his resurrection, that I may know the fellowship of his suffering, and being made conformable unto his death. And we talked about that to be found in him had to do with the idea that when people were looking at you, that they would find him. That they found that you were, that you are in him, the Christ. That not only are you in him, but he's in you. And in your walk, he is reflected for people to see that when they look, that is what they find. In every sense of the way, uh, of the word. In other words, in your conduct, in your speech, in your behavior, in your gestures, in your posture, all of it has to do with Jesus. Because Johan, when Johan comes to the church and my posture is like this, I, I'm not showing Jesus very well. My posture is like this. That's, that, that's more like it. So in every way, in every part of our life, that he would be found in, in us and we found in him. And the second point was, that I may know him. And we saw that the word know over there is not the idea of intellectual uh, collection. That is, that you learn and you know more and you collect knowledge in your brain uh, so that you can brag about what you know. This has to do with experiential knowledge. And that is huge, great news to us because that means that we get to not only know about Him, but we get to know Him and experience Him. Oh, that gets me so excited. To experience Him. And then, and this is where I want to focus on, is then He says here that I may know the power of His resurrection. I, 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 I put it wrong over there. It is His resurrection in the text instead of the resurrection. Um, and once again, it is not an intellectual knowledge. It is an experiential knowledge. Now, the ramifications of that are so vast, you cannot stop talking about it. You, you, you can't stop talking about it. Because to know of his resurrection, intellectually, 
It's glorious. To know that there is a resurrection waiting for you when you die is glorious. But this is not that resurrection. This is, we're guaranteed, right, that the resurrection, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 chapter is, is replete with it. Uh, so that is already, we're already guaranteed that as believers. This is the power of the resurrection today. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, we talked about this already, and I, I, I can't stop talking about it. And because Paul is tying in with that in the subsequent verses, then I, I, I need to back up just a little bit and, and talk about this a little bit more. Then I'm going to go to Romans 6, chapter verse 4b, so to speak, and, and, and look at that a little bit more so that we get a little bit of clarification because we can talk about this for weeks because, one, I don't see it in the body of Christ as much as I desire or that I think that even God's, God desires because there is so much stuckness in the body of Christ. So many people are stuck someplace. And would you agree with me? But you don't have to. Even if you don't agree with me, it's fine. I still love you, no problem. Uh, (laughs) That the power of the resurrection is the greatest power in the universe. I got more for you. It is the greatest power in the universe if you combine all other powers together. The power of the resurrection is greater. There is no match. There is no equal. There is no rival. There is nothing that can compare or that matches with the power of the resurrection. That is huge news for believers. Because that means that in my walk, I get to experience the power of the resurrection. I don't have to be hooked to pornography anymore. I don't have to be hooked to drugs anymore. I don't have to be uh, 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 hooked to alcohol anymore. I don't have to be hooked to opioids anymore. I don't have to be hooked to being angry all the time anymore. I don't have to be hooked to be jealous I don't have to be hooked to always want to retaliate. I don't have to be hooked to unforgiveness and holding grudges. All of that has no match in the power of the resurrection. That is to say that the power of the resurrection, poof, as if it wasn't even there. But my dear brothers and sisters, we get to, oh, let me ask you this question. You agree with me that that is ours, yes? The power of the resurrection is ours. But what I want to point out to you it is that it is not automatic, as is evidenced by the lives that you see around you, the Christian lives that you see around you. Uh, just, just a statistic. Uh, half of the people that say that they believe in, in the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore in the dead better and his resurrection, half of them get divorced. So, I mean, no, no judgmentalism here. I'm just saying this, that if you don't know it, believe it, to appropriate it for yourself, and walk in obedience, it's as if it doesn't exist. But it does. This is where Paul is taking us. So I would like for us to look now at Romans 6, 4. There is all kinds of verses that we can look at. But just one, and it's 4B, 
so I don't have to explain 4a because that takes me time away from where I want to go. So Romans 6, 4. So this is the whole verse. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk, should walk in newness of life. When I read that verse, the thing that jumps out at me is the idea that like as Christ was raised from the dead, like as. So that is to say, Paul is going to give us something that is comparable with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is in the same sort of a, um, same sort of a flow, same sort of a, a plane, same sort of an idea. And then he goes on to say that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. So there are really two, two issues there, two items over there. One, that as Christ was raised up from the, from the dead. And the second one, that we should walk in units of life. The qualifying statement in there is that by the glory of the Father. So that Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. And that we should walk in newness of life by the glory of the Father. And there are words that help us understand that that is so. The word like as Christ, even so, also. Those are words that point us to the argument that he's trying to make and that confirms that we are on the right track or not, depending on how we interpret it. So, he says that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we get to walk in a new way. That sort of compares, and that is a result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it looks like this. By the glory of the Father. You're walking in newness of life. When people are looking at it, they should see, this is, this person's walk is by the glory of the Father. So, at one point, and Paul brings it later on also, um, at one point, and that is the resurrection that Paul is talking about in just a little bit, the resurrection of the dead, from the dead, from among the dead. He is not speaking about the future resurrection. He is speaking about the present spiritual resurrection, that walk in Christ as by the glory of the Father. That is how our walk should be. It's right over there. Should. We should walk in newness of life. Paul is saying that if we don't walk in that way, there is something wrong with that picture. Is this far-fetched that I'm saying to you? Or is that pretty close? Uh, so, he's saying this is what your walk should be. And if it is not so, you've got to go before the Father. He wants to do business with you. 
he, he's saying to you, hey, we got to talk. <laughs> hey, son, we got to talk. Have you ever said that to your son? Hey, son, we got to talk. He says that to me all the time. <laughs> hey, son, we got to talk. Oh, yes, father, I'm coming. <laughs> I know, I know. No, you don't know. <laughs> you think you know. Let's go back to uh, Philippians 3, and we're looking now at 11. So here he goes. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So here is what Paul is speaking of over here. He is not speaking here that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead when I die. That is already guaranteed him. So that wouldn't make a lot of sense unless you are saying... I will have the resurrection of the dead when I die. You're trying to convince maybe an unbeliever and telling them about the Christian life and how that works and so on and so forth. But he's not, he's not saying that I might attain to it. So here is speaking about the dead. The dead is the dead or the deaths that we were experiencing before we were believers. Is that what the scriptures say? Very clearly. In Romans 6, 21, that sin reigned unto us, reigned over us unto death. And sin being our sinful nature, our sinful nature reigned over us like a monarch over a country, like a king over a country, like our lower nature was ruler over us. And caused us death. Well, maybe not physical death, although that's included. But death of your reputation, death of your witness, death of your family, death of your, of your, of your marriage. You name it. Relationships, you name it. So that is loaded. And he says, now, I have been raised from the dead. That resurrection is because I have identified myself with the dead burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I get to walk in newness of life in the power of the resurrection. And he says, but what he's saying over here, that means I might attain. The word attain over here has the idea of the end goal. The final destination. I never really liked that word so much. Final destination. And airplane talk. You are approaching your final destination. Ah! And they talk about terminals. <laughs> but here it has to do with Paul is saying, I haven't gotten to that place yet. And he's telling us in the next verse also the same thing. He says, I haven't gotten there yet, but that is where I'm going. That is where I want to go. And the, 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 the resurrection of the dead has to do with ultimately Christ-likeness. Let's go on. Let's go on. By any means, the word uh, by any means over here is, is not that Paul is doubtful that he's going to get there. It is basically an expression of humility, if you will, that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Verse 12. Not as though I had already attained. Here, the English, the King James Version, uses the same word attain as in verse uh, 11, but in Greek, there are two different words. Here the word attain has more to do 
Remember, in 11, it had to do with the end result, the final destination. Here, it has more to do with the, the journey to that final destination. So he says, I'm on this journey, but, and, and I, haven't, I haven't already been perfected. And the word perfect, perfect over here means that I have not come to a place beyond which there is no more improvement, growth, and these type of things. So if you are, have re- reached a place beyond which there is no more improvement to be made, then it's per- you are at perfection. But he says, I- I'm not there yet. But the word perfection over here doesn't even mean that. It means that a, a, a spiritual maturity, spiritual maturity is what it means. And he says, in essence, I am on a journey towards spiritual maturity, and I haven't gotten there yet. My dear brothers and sisters, that is good news for me. It might not be good news for you, because maybe you are way ahead of me. But for me, that is great news, because I'm on this journey, and wherever I am in this journey, God is not holding it against me. Because an apple in June is as pleasing to the Lord as an apple in in October. And I'm an apple in June. (laughs) Just as long as I don't stay and remain an apple in June. That when October comes, hey, I'm looking different. I'm acting different. I'm tasting different. The flavor is completely different about my life. But I follow after. I pursue. I stretch. I chase. I follow after. If that I may apprehend that which, that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. I am chasing this thing. I'm on this journey, but I'm not standing still. I am pleased, but I'm not satisfied. I want to be more Christ-like than I was before. I want to grow that I may apprehend that for which Christ has apprehended me. That I may grasp that for which Christ has grasped me. That I may hold on to that for which Christ has gotten hold of me. That I may possess that for which Christ is possessing me. For which? What does that mean? That I may apprehend that for which Christ has apprehended me. See, in this context, it is important to know because we, we, we tend to immediately, with our, my, our, with our mind, uh, just like when we hear the word resurrection, our mind goes to after we die and the resurrection. Our mind doesn't necessarily always go to the present spiritual resurrection, that is to say that we can live in the power of the resurrection. We, our, our mind goes there. So when we hear uh, to be apprehended for that which Christ has apprehended me, we're thinking immediately about salvation. And that is true. But that is not in the context over here. Here is in the context of spiritual maturity, uh, walking in newness of life, if you will, 
since I'm bringing up a few of the other scriptures as well, uh, it has here to do with, with the, not the salvation as in getting saved, but the salvation as in sanctification. That is to say that we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit such that he does his job with us in making us more like Jesus. So he's looking here for sanctification, that, that I may come to a place of Christ-likeness because that is what Christ has saved me for here on earth. He has saved me for heaven. But while I'm here on earth, he wants me to be Christ-like. So, he wants me to live in the power of the resurrection so that I might have heaven on earth. But that's not the only thing. He saved me and gave me the power of the resurrection so that I can have heaven on earth, but I can be heaven on earth for you as well. And not only that you see such a, a change in my life and such a flavor of my life, that you not only are interested in it, maybe you already were, but that you are encouraged by it, sister. And that is, that is part of my job. Part of my job, as a privilege as it is, is that God has given me the kingdom of God. He's put it in me. And he's put the kingdom of, of, of God in you. And so, but he's given me the complete kingdom in its potential, but not in its development. That's what Paul is talking about over there. So the kingdom of God needs to be developed in me. That is to say, the rule and reign of Christ Jesus in my life, he needs to have more of it. He needs to rule in a bigger way. And he needs to do the same thing in you. And it is my job as your brother, and it is your job as, you, as my sister, that I expand the kingdom in, of God in you, and you in me. Tell me your name again. Lexi. What a beautiful name. I love the name Lexi. Lexi, but this is the problem. This walking in units of life that we've been talking about, walking in the power of the resurrection, that is fine and dandy. But as Christians, when we are fighting for the kingdom of God to be expanded, often we use the weapons of the enemy. And the kingdom of God is not expanded with the weapons of the enemy. The kingdom of the enemy is expanded with the weapons of the enemy. You see? So, as we relate to each other, Lexi, then I bring to bear the weapons of the kingdom of God. Well, can you tell me some of the weapons? Tell me one. Just guess. This thing never fails. Love never fails. Now, what kind of a weapon is that? <laughs> it never fails. So see, when I love you, sister, then I bring to bear in your life the kingdom of God. It never fails. Now, I receive that by faith. Because when I look at Christians' lives many times, it looks like it, it does fail. But it's because my look is different than God's look. God sees the victory. I don't quite see it yet. So I receive it by faith. So where were we, Alexi? <laughs> so that for which 
over there. I, I hope I didn't embarrass you. Mm, I love you. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. I didn't mean to. You're my sister, so I feel I can just talk with you and, and, and visit together. And for which then has to do that, Lexi, I will walk with you as a brother in a certain maturity way. That is what Paul is desiring so much, and that is what I am desiring. Because when I relate to you, I want to relate to you like a big brother in Christ. Not like a big brother of the world. Can I say one more thing, Sister Lexi? The safest place for you to be is in the arms of Jesus. Here on earth is in the arms of your father. But a sister should be safe in the arms of a brother. Okay? Safe. God help us. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I'm sorry, 13. Apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. Um, let's look at it. I, I, I don't want to get into too much detail per se, but let me just say this. He says, I count myself not to have apprehended. He is saying, after I give serious strong consideration and take a look at my life, I come to the conclusion I'm not there yet. Well, no surprise. Nobody gets there. But there is a certain amount of maturity that, you, that you'll get to, which is as if you were there already, because it is so starkly different than what you normally see. So, uh, but he says, I, I, I'm not there yet. I have a ways to go. Once again, that's good news to me. But he says this. But this one thing I do. You see how this is cursive and I do is cursive? You know why it is cursive? Because that is not in the original language. So in the original language it says, but one thing. But one thing. Thank you. Yes. One thing. What is the one thing that you want from your Father in heaven? What is the one thing that you strive for? What is the one thing that you push for? That you chase after? That you follow after? That you press for? Obeying him, okay. Well, people might have different ideas uh, depending on where they are. But he says this. But one thing, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He is not looking back. Here he's talking about like... Uh, What's that word? Reaching forth. It is like a runner. 
Anybody here in athletics running? Uh, uh, Bella? Bella runs. Uh, what, what distance do you run, sweetie? Say it again. 200 and relays. What, 400 relay or 100 relay? Whoa! 4 by 100. That, that is a whole lot different than 4 by 400. That's for sure. And so your coach tells you, when you're running, don't look back. Don't look back. You're going to stray. Don't look back. You're going to be intimidated. Don't look back. You're going to be distracted. Look to the goal. That is what Paul is saying over here. He is not looking back to be distracted by all kinds of things. How his life used to be and so. I just imagine that sometimes he just looks back to see where he could improve and then have his history actually be a teacher to him. But not looking back to be, uh, once again, ashamed of the sin that he was into. Or guilty, ah, once again, a guilty complex. He, he is thinking, I'm not looking back to those things. God has done something for me. I'm looking forward. I'm going to him. I'm running to the goal because I want to get there. ASAP. Reaching forth unto those things. Stretching. Chasing. Reaching. Following. Pressing. Pressing on. I'm going. I would give you a run, but my leg hurts a little bit, so I can't give them. When you get old like me, you know, you have to be careful. Uh, the other day, a few weeks ago, I was going to give you an illustration on the steps over here. But I was going to run like when I was a young kid, but I, oh, okay, I have to be careful. <laughs> you have to be careful. <laughs> also coming down, because you don't want to come down faster than you meant. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's not good. So... I'm looking to the goal and I'm looking ahead where I'm, where I'm going, not to be distracted. Because this, uh, this is what I'm doing. He says, 14, says this. I press toward the mark of the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. To be apprehended for that which Christ Jesus apprehended me. He has, speaking, he has spoken cl clearly here concerning the idea of uh, walking in the resurrection power, walking in maturity, walking in a newness of life as I brought in Romans the 6th chapter verse 4 over there. This type of thing is what he's talking about over here. So when he's talking about the high calling of God in, Je in Christ Jesus... Your mind wants to go in some sort of a, whoo, what, what is this? But dear brothers and sisters, it is simply Christ-likeness. Spiritual maturity. One thing, but one thing. Spiritual maturity. Christ-likeness. But dear brothers and sisters, let me tell you something over here. That if we would be more Christ-like, everything would change. For the positive, for the good, for righteousness' sake, everything will change. The way a husband relates to his wife in Christ's likeness.
the way we talk to one another in Christ's likeness. We need to learn to talk. We, we don't know how to talk. Husbands and wife, you remember I'm a pastor, so I deal a lot with marriage counseling. I deal a lot with premarital counseling. We just married an ex-student of mine, tennis player, for seven months, every Monday night from 8, 8 o'clock for about an hour, hour and a half, sometimes even longer than that, for seven months, missing only a few. And uh, I had not met her fiancé then, now her husband, but he was open and I readily could sense and, 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 and hear by his own testimony that he was a committed Christian. Otherwise, I would have called uh, her, her father and say, I don't think so. But I thought so because he was a godly man and he wanted to do the things of God. And is he young? Yes, he's still young. So he's, he's not there yet, like Paul is saying over here. But he wants to, and, and that is huge. And I told him, one of your jobs, my friend, among many, is that you ought to protect your wife. I had only a half an hour for the whole ceremony because of the schedule, the way it was, and the facilities, and blah, 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 and the food, and so on and so forth. So I had to get it all in in a half an hour, so I couldn't say as much as I wanted to, but that is okay, that's good training for me. <laughs> um, but I want to say to him that protecting your wife, my brother, is not an option. You can make mistakes, and you will be forgiven of it. But you cannot be slack about it. You cannot be slack about protecting your wife. It is your job. Anyways, I got a, I got a soft, timid amen over there. But <laughs> yeah. So the high calling, then, is the Christ-likeness. One thing. I'm looking for the price. One thing. The heaven on earth price. The heavenly price is when I'm saved and I'm going to go to heaven after I die. The heaven on earth price, Christ's likeness. Spiritual maturity. That Alexei, when we, we relate... I relate to you sort of like Jesus. And you to me, sort of like Jesus. That's what, he's, what Paul is talking about over here. Not Jesus, like him. Like him. So, and that is hugely important. And that brings all kinds of spiritual fruit with it. And spiritual victory with it. Because as we are fighting with the weapons of the kingdom, the kingdom of God is expanded. That's what those weapons are for. We don't have the worldly weapons of sword and club, whatever. We have spiritual weapons that are far more effective for righteousness' sake than anything else. So, uh, I think, so here we go, yes. Salvation, heaven, the heavenly prize. Sanctification, heaven on earth prize. Spiritual maturity or Christ-likeness. So, there's really two big prizes in Christianity. One is salvation, you're going to make it to heaven. Two 
is to be to have Christ's likeness here on earth. And that encompasses everything else. You say, well, no, this forgiveness. Nah. Christ's likeness is forgiveness. Christ's likeness is love. Christ's likeness is joy. It's all inclusive. When you have Christ, you have all that God wants you to have. And then, but he still wants to change you. You have it all, but he wants to develop you to be more like Jesus. And that surely, my dear brothers and sisters, is a price to be gotten here on earth. The heavenly prize, strictly by faith. The earthly prize is by faith and also by effort. Effort as in as you submit to the Holy Spirit. Uh, how does that verse go? For it is God who worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he's going to work in you, and he's going to make it happen in you. As long as you submit yourself to him, he can do it. As long as you believe. So there is a knowing, there is a believing, and there is an obeying. Knowing, you cannot believe something you don't know. Believing, it is by faith. It is all by faith. Without faith, you can't even please God. Without faith, you don't get to appropriate so many things of the kingdom for yourself. You don't get to. It is by faith. And then, I believe it by faith. Then I'll show it that you believe it. I'm walking it. I'm being obedient. So, my dear brothers and sisters, may I give you an assignment? An assignment going along with the idea that just to give you God's word is not enough. But to give you God's word and ask you to do it is what I want to accomplish this morning. And I'm going to assign to you, and you don't have to do it, you know, but if you want to, then you can. Uh, And I recommend that you do. That you would go before God like Paul and say, God, make me more like Jesus. Make me more like Jesus. And would you work, or maybe that's too much homework. Okay. And would you work in my heart, Lord, this thing that I would press forward, that I would stretch, that I would follow after, that I would pursue Christ's likeness with all that I have as you lead. I want to do that, Lord.